You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Consider the Belair. Steadfast and sure footed, the Belair is a breed apart. Often taken for granted, the Belair literally saves your life every single time you punt. And let's face it, that's a lot of disasters averted. Loyal and smart, whether it's the first time you've said take or the 100th. The belayer sits back and holds you right where you want to be while you brush that hold one more time. Even though both you and your trusty belayer know it ain't going to change a goddamn thing. The belayer just smiles and says, Dude, you totally got it next time. Even though there's no way on God's green earth you will in fact get it next time. So maybe it's time to honor the unsung hero of your journey with a fine gift from Peter W. Gilroy. Peter, a belayer himself, knows what a trinket or a sweet splitter hat, the ones with the mountain-inspired titanium badges, will do for a worn-out belayer spirit when you've been riding them hard. Artful jewelry and accessories can be found at PeterWGilroy.com for your belayer or any partner you've been forgetting to appreciate during that singular haze of the next burn. So consider your belayer and PeterWGilroy.com. One day you might look down and they'll be gone eating that sandwich they've been thinking about since you took on the second bolt an hour ago. And don't forget to enter Enormo at checkout for a discount and to help this darn podcast. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh it's yeah, the big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, really should. The hell are you doing? couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And now, we can also thank the chill folks at Yeti. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Normo at checkout to get a great deal on great coffee and to support the normal cast. And now back to the show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is September 7th, 2023, about 10.30 a.m. And this is episode... It's not an episode. It's a tweener. What's a tweener? Well, it's content that uh, turns up between the full episodes. Extra stuff. Inspired by something I once heard Gene Kistler of uh, New River Gorge fame call those squeeze job roots. Tweeners. Between the roots, you really want to climb. So this tweener is the outtakes, the extras from episode 269 with Tyler Caro. I felt like the original episode had a good ending spot. It was almost two hours. So I left this stuff off. But then I realized it's a lot of fun. It gets a little shaggy. I was a little buzzed. There were some equipment failures. But there's still some good funny stuff and a couple great stories from Tyler. So if you enjoyed the interview with Tyler from episode 269 the last episode, uh, then I think you'll dig this. And if you didn't listen to that one, maybe go back and do that first. 
And I'd like to point out here that, of course, all the content at the EnormaCast is open and free. A lot of podcasts, I dare say most these days, would put something like this as bonus content behind a paywall. We do that at the runout. But here at the EnormaCast, we're supported by our sponsors, Black Diamond, Sportiva Yeti, the little guys like Peter W. Gilroy, Belay Specs, Bonfire Coffee, all paying for advertising so that the content remains free for you. So please, consider using your purchasing power with those companies. They all make great gear. They make stuff that's cool, long-lasting. Well, not the coffee. That just goes right out your butt, but that's kind of what it's for, isn't it? And the folks that have donated over the years have helped out for sure, but this podcast would not exist without the advertisers. So support them, please. You need gear, they make gear. Great gear. And coffee. And jewelry. But great stuff. Capiche? All right, let's get to the outtakes from Tyler Caro. These are shaggy. This is shaggy. It's kind of old school, Norma Cass, in a lot of ways. And there's a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff in here, too. What happens when the mics fail and the police show up. All right, check it out. A tweener with Tyler Caro. fragmented zone because I already have that ending is amazing so you just your audio just disappeared again what the hell <laughs> I... <clears throat> hello I'd like the department of missing babies please hold Can you hear me? We're back. It's yeah, not, I can hear you. I keep, dude. There's this like bottle cap, and I keep messing with it, and it's right next. Dude, to Dude, I keep cord. messing. I keep messing with the bottle cap too. Okay. <laughs> but what just happened while I was resetting it? A cop just opened the door. A cop? Yeah. Well, so I'm here at my wife's office, and he's like, "Hey, I'm just patrolling, and I'm just checking for open doors." And it just opened up, and he was like, "This oh cop God. in like full fucking guns and all that shit." I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. That's, no, no, that it's sounds, fine. He was like, oh, it's terrible. cool. He's like, I'm just checking for open doors. I'm like, I'm just talking to some buddies. And I got all these, I got like, all these beers. <laughs> just drinking beers by herself in front of a computer. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, hey, I'm yeah. just talking to some friends on Zoom. He was like, that's cool. Um, yeah, hell yeah. All right, what was I asking you? Uh, I, you I think we were going to, you mentioned something about Jordan. Oh yeah, I just wanted to ask you about uh you guys went to Jordan and climbed. Uh yeah, that was like my first first big I guess international trip, really. Um I don't know. I I I think I watched like the Real Rock movie with Madeline Sorkin and like a few other videos and was like this looks freaking rad. This is like super cool and uh, I went out there with my buddy Chris and um 
yeah, we did like we we actually planned a, like a two or three month trip out to like the Middle East and then uh, a little bit in Europe and a little bit in North Africa. Um, and it ended up getting cut short due to COVID. We got kicked out of Spain. Uh, we were climbing in Trulia and yeah, we never made it to we never made it to Tagia. We were planning to go to the the, uh, the Atlas Mountains and climb there, but that's still very high on the to do list. But yeah, the first the first place we climbed, the first place we climbed was uh, was Jordan, which was sick. I mean, that place was really freaking cool. We stayed with this Bedouin dude um, named Muhammad Hussein, and like culturally, one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Just living in that world and seeing. You know, seeing how those people live and seeing how, you know, how like kind they were. And um, it was it was amazing. Like every night we'd have these like really interesting religious and political conversations with like the different people who would, you know, like would have dinner with us or feed us. And the climbing was amazing, like definitely a little bit chossy and sandy in certain places. But I think, uh, yeah, we climbed like all the classic, all the classic trad lines there's a there's a bunch of like good bolted routes, but we didn't even we didn't even touch those at the, at that mm. point in climbing. We were like, let's just climb all the adventure trad stuff. Like cool, like screw screw the hard five. I mean, that's its like, its early history in climbing. Yeah, is that British guys doing gnarly like trad routes. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it was it was incredible. Like we we spent uh we spent a couple nights like camped out in this canyon called Bar Canyon and. Like what I think the highlight experience was we were coming down from from some route and there was a shepherd waiting at the base and he's like didn't speak any English and he's just kinda of talking to us and and uh in Arabic and we were like couldn't communicate. And luckily some some tour guide, some dude who was a Bedouin who spoke English, like came over like not too not too later. He was taking some people on a tour and he's like, Hey, uh yeah, the shepherd like a sh- like one of their sheep or I forget if it was a sheep or a goat, decided to like go up some cliff and they're wondering if you could rescue it. And so we ended up climbing, ended up climbing this crack system to get the sheep or goat or whatever off this, uh, off this cliff. It was like pretty gnarly. It was like 40 feet up this, uh, this, this wall is for sure. Fifth class. And we like built an anchor, grabbed the sheep, like brought it back to the shepherd. And then the funniest part of the story is that, a few months ago, my buddy Chris was like, dude, like, check it out on mountain project. Someone put up the route like that. The crack that we had climbed to rescue this goat is now a route on mountain project. <laughs> and they like, and like the dude, the like ascent. some, the, some, yeah, some guy like, it was like first ascent 2022 or something like that. And I, I'm, I wrote some comment. I was like, no, 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 no. Like the first half of this route has to be credited to the goat for sure. Like right. the goat climbed at least one half of the route. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was that was a sick experience, and um, we actually we actually bought tickets in and out of Tel Aviv, and we ended up doing some climbing in Palestine, um, which was like a, also just like culturally an insane experience. You met this Israeli climber, and he took us into uh, this Israeli settlement and um, outside of Jerusalem, and then we like crossed the border into into Palestine, and like you know there were like met some Bedouin shepherds who were like grazing animals in this land that's like part of that's like you know essentially occupied uh that is occupied and like lived in by palestinians and just like it was like culturally so cool and so wild and like the perspective i got from from being there was like 
yeah, that kind of got me addicted to traveling internationally. I was like, whoa, this is super cool. And you meet so many interesting people and, you know, you read all about this stuff and geopolitics and the news and like the best way to go figure it out is like just to go, go there yourself and like talk to all these different people and who have these different perspectives. And yeah, it was a, it was a really, really cool trip. Have you seen resistance climbing? The real rock I, ha- I actually haven't seen any of the real rock films. I'm like super cheap, so I haven't like right. you just like pay for real rock now or whatever. I, I got it. I got to watch it. Um, you got to see resistance yeah. climbing if you've been to yeah, Palestine. I, I mean, it looks it looks amazing. Like right. I, I, I know it's I just haven't. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I should just watch it like tomorrow and office space. <laughs> OK, yeah. Office space. and resistance. You got to see climbing. office space and you have to see resistance climbing. No, resistance okay. climbing might really kind of like change that experience for you a little bit it's pretty wild i've heard really good things about it yeah Yeah. um is that did andrew make that film uh he didn't make it he's in it he's in it i mean i mean he did to a certain extent but you know it's still the real rock guys um but he was going and then they were like why don't we do a movie about it and he's like well you sure you want to get into this and then hooked up with that guy tim bruns who's been developing or who was developing climbing in Ramallah and started a climbing gym down there. Gotcha. And he's a very sort of, he's an American guy from, uh, uh, God, I think he's from Maine actually, but he went to Colorado college here in Colorado. But oh, right um, on. yeah, he started a climbing gym in Ramallah and like bolted all these routes and he's very opinionated and very on the side of the Palestinians against the in- incursion of the, the settlements and all that stuff yeah i mean so. for for good reason yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was cool. like such a such a sick experience and we actually we climbed like in jerusalem too like outside mm. of the city it was just like i don't know i find i think history is super fascinating and right. geopolitics is like super yeah fascinating and yeah i'd really like to go back i mean the limestone in palestine is great and i'd like to go back there and climb it and meet some more some more of those people they're really really down to earth and cool yeah i climbed in in Jordan as well, climbed in oh hell in yeah, Wadi Rum, yeah. So, how long ago? Um, it was probably 2007 or eight, and we put a route up um on Nasrani North, which over by uh-huh. where La Guerre Sante yeah, yeah. is. The uh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, and there was a route, uh, a trad route there called um Muazin that uh, we actually crossed. So it's on the right side of that kind of bowl where La Guerre Sante is and that stuff. The Rockabot Canyon is that canyon that connects the village yeah. to that side. Yeah, it's just a, kind of out on the outside of that. Yeah, yeah, We use no, that I, to get back I, and forth to the village, yeah. I, uh, oh, interesting. I, when I, we actually went to like Nazarani to go check out, uh, what is it? The, the 512A thing? Like, like, La Guerre uh, Sante. Le Gaisson, that yeah, yeah, that's the um, the Arnaud Petit route. Yeah, that dude's done a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, um, he's he was actually fan. he was actually out there when we were there. Oh, really? It was kind of wild. He was putting up a route with like a team of twenty, or like it felt it felt like twenty people. <laughs> uh, it was on Jabal Rum, but um, yeah, I would like to go out there again. I think it'd be like a good place to, you know, like there's like a t- I, I'd go out there. I think with quick draws next time and just right. like climb all the sport routes. Maybe mm-hmm. do a little bit of, a little bit of cam placing, but not too much. Yeah, we actually made a a DVD out of it. There was like, it was like a film project, basically. No way. Um, yeah. Is yeah. that on the internet? I don't think it is. No, I don't <laughs> think it is. I should send you a copy of it. 
Dude, um, I would be yeah. stoked to watch that, like yeah. genuinely. Yeah. yeah. If I so sent you he, one, you might have to send it back because I don't even know if I have the technology anymore to copy a DVD, right? I like, actually, now that, you, now that you mentioned it, I don't think I couldn't have, watch like, one either. I don't, yeah, I don't, I can't watch a DVD. <laughs> exactly. So let's just leave it in the past. But yeah, we Fair made uh, we made a film, like a proper climbing film. Me and uh, um, Heidi Wirtz, which you may know. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've hung out with Heidi a couple oh, yeah. times. She's yeah. super freaking cool. Yeah, really yeah. Like Heidi's Heidi. an old friend of mine for sure. Okay, right on. Yeah, I think days, yeah. we ran into each other. We we met uh doing the what's that traverse in Joshua Tree? Uh the like the boulder that like the gun smoke. Like some gun smoke. Yeah, we met yeah. doing gun smoke and we were just oh, like cool. laughing it together and yeah. ended up hanging she's out and bouldering a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. And then uh this guy Ben Firth, who was a Canadian climber and um really good Canadian climber, mixed mixed ice climber, also good rock climber. Yeah, and then this guy Aaron Aaron Black, who is a photographer out of Vancouver. Um, that also I don't really see much more in climbing, but yeah, we did the whole thing. We went to Petra and the whole thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, go you, to got, you gotta go to Petra. You gotta go to Petra. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, but yeah, we bolted this sick route. It's thirteen A. It's been repeated by uh, actually Honold did it with some an Israeli climber, huh. and I think that's probably it. And then, whoa! Um, I think it's gone because or disappeared because the only record of it was in the guidebooks that were in the old guest house there, the the Egyptian guest house. Yeah, and apparently they're gone. Oh, like, really? They were there yeah. when I was there. Oh, really? Yeah. How long like, ago was uh, that? Two thousand January two thousand twenty. Hmm. All right. Maybe they are there because I someone told me that they they were gone, but uh, Jenny Jenny Fisher told me that. Okay, I actually met Jenny Fisher in Wadi Rum that same oh, really? trip, and they were okay. definitely there. I don't, I, that's, I've never actually met her again. I met her in ZZ or whatever, ZZ, her, yeah. her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I really like that dude. He was cool. Yeah, no, they're super cool. I like, I like Jenny, too. You know, I, I wanted to say that, and I wanted to say this earlier because you've talked about Stoke or Psych or whatever you want to call it, but you know, my long-lost pal, Hayden Kennedy, that was one of his... Not original, but often used phrases that you can't put a price on morale. Yeah, man. Yeah, like morale. It's like, that's what it's all about. Like I credit, I credit Psych for motivating me to climb all the things I've climbed. It's it's all about it's all about Psych. And if you're you know if you stay Psyched, you're gonna be able to do the things you want to do. Let me ask you a little bit about the video thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, we, 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 we honestly should touch we should touch on this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because you create the kind of content and enough of it. You know, we were we were talking about being a sponsored climber or not being a sponsored climber. Like you have a very sponsored climber level of producing content. And I read some comment on one of your your videos. It was like, "Honey, wake up!" You know, Tyler's dropped another video. Like <laughs> people are stoked on it, and you've got this huge following. So where does that part of it come from? Because a lot of people who are like you. And they haven't chosen to be sponsored. One of the reasons they've chosen is because they don't want to bother with that shit. But yeah. it seems like it's something in addition to the climbing that you actually obviously enjoy um, is creating this video content because you you take it, which, you know, to me, I, I have a hard time pulling the camera out at all. Back in the day, it was still photography, but it was the same thing. Like, oh, let's <clears throat> not fuck with that. We're climbing like it's going to mess with it. Yeah. And actually Hayden was like that too. But, you know, you you seem to have this like 
enjoyment of that that goes along with the climbing as opposed to it something that necessarily takes away from the climbing. I mean, I started making videos, I think, when I was a freshman in high school when I first got a GoPro. Of what? Of like skiing and like me, like me hanging out with my friends and like doing backflips off cliffs or whatever. And sure, they were all on YouTube and a past girlfriend's like, you got to remove these dude. Like these are really bad. (laughs) So they're, they've (laughs) since been removed, but uh, at least made raised your past. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. There's still some, there's still some down the memory hall. There's for sure some old embarrassing (laughs) ones from high school still up there, but, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I got, I got into making videos because I thought it was kind of fun and enjoyed it, mostly skiing and whatever I was doing. And uh, I'd put out these ski videos and they'd get like a dozen views, you know, like it was solely for, it was solely for me and my friends. And I was like, cool, I'll could like, I'll like, I enjoy the process. I'm not good at editing. It was just, it was essentially just a compilation of different clips that I would take while I was on the, on, on the ski or the climb or whatever. And yeah, when I started climbing, I think the first video I made was uh, Snake Dyke. And I put it out there and it got like a dozen views or, you know, maybe a hundred views or something like that. And I didn't like, I I wasn't putting videos out there to get viewership whatsoever. It was solely for me and my friends and because I enjoyed it. It sounds like my podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then it just blew up. Like there were, there were a couple ski videos. I skied a couple lines in the Sierras that were like, I guess, relatively serious. And those got some views. And that was like, I was like, cool, I ski this, this, ski this like serious line and people seem to enjoy that. And that was like, you know, the end of it. I think there was one, I got like a few thousand views or like, you know, 5,000 views or something like that on one of them. And then, uh, yeah, I just started making more climbing videos more because I enjoyed it. And it's like, you know, it's like the editing process is super fun and quick. I don't actually edit anything. I just, I literally just put the clips on my computer throw them all into, you know, like choose the ones I want, compile them together. I don't color correct. I don't audio correct. I don't like, you know, I've, I've added text here and there, but it's like pretty straightforward and doesn't take too much time. And yeah, they got popular and I did, I don't know, maybe three years ago, like right when at the start of COVID, when they got pretty popular, I was kind of like, Oh, this is weird. People are like coming up to me at the crag and being like, are you that YouTube dude? And I hate it. Like I, I hate when people like if anyone's listening to this, please do not refer to me as the YouTube guy. Uh, it's it's like, yeah, it, it I don't like that at all. But it's uh, yeah, it became a thing. And then I had this like crossroad that I came to where I was like, OK, do I want to do I want to double down and like make money on this? Because, you know, you get to the point you suddenly you make a little bit of cash from YouTube. And I'm like, do I want to make money out, out of this or do I want to? stop this entirely or like where do I want to go and I kind of just decided to treat it like a little bit on a middle ground where I didn't really put any more effort than I wanted to or like had been doing already but continued to make videos for adventures that I was particularly psyched on and that's kind of where I'm at like when I go climbing you know nine times out of ten I don't bring a camera but then when I do something that I'm like really interested in or like excited about or if I have a partner who wants to bring the camera along, like sometimes I'll bring the camera along. Like there's a couple of times when like partners have been like, yo, like you should film this and we should put it on YouTube. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's do it. But most of the time I don't. Now it's, I kind of just reserve it for, for bigger trips. Um, Cause yeah, I have, I have similar, qual- like I have the same concerns that Hayden and you have. It definitely makes you not live in the moment to an extent, you know, and there's nothing worse than like your friend says something hilarious and you're like, yo, like, can you say that again for the camera? Like I, 
that, that sucks but you got to do it sometimes and yeah i don't know the vi- the video thing it's been fun like i i genuinely enjoy making the videos and it's been fun to see that they've been well received and uh i think they also i've heard a lot of people get sandbagged by them uh and that makes me kind of kind of internally happy like i don't know it's kind of funny every time i hear like oh dude i like so <laughs> what do you mean well like oh. there's a ton of people who've reached like, out and been like oh like i was trying the grand traverse and i watched your video and it looked kind of chill and so that i tried it and like totally epic there like there's a lot of that see that's what i was getting at in the beginning is that so what i saw too i'm like that guy looks like completely composed having a great time um he's been on the wall for 10 days he doesn't really even have a beard what's going on with this dude he's like got it on lock <laughs> yeah I don't, well the the beard thing i just don't grow that much facial hair but the okay. the, uh, the unlock thing i don't know man because yeah, then you look then then the camera swings around to like sean villanuevo and he's like he looks like he's you know basically crawled out of a cave like two thousand years ago and you're like oh that guy that guy looks like he's been on the wall for a little while <laughs> or whatever that dude that dude can grow a beard can confirm yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I just I guess it's just like I just I don't know. I I figured out the big wall thing um to a degree. Right. And like I just feel I feel so comfortable up there. Like I I prefer, I think I can climb harder 2000 feet off the deck than I can off the ground. Like I actually That's I know amazing. that for a fact. Like I just I feel right. more comfortable up on a big wall and like I don't know. It's like a second home to me. Like I, I love being up. There. I, I I had those feelings back in the day, and that's that was what was so surprising about Golden Gate. Did it did it fade? Like, did you? Don't feel like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that day will come. You know, like we're we're talking about the evolution of like bailing and right? the evolution of like you know mortality, and I think that's like the next one for me. I'll come to the conclusion that maybe. 2,000 feet up the wall is not the place where I should perform at my highest and I should go to the crag and project a route for the first time at some point. All right. That could be another ending. You got any more time? Oh uh, yeah, dude. I literally, I'm just, I'm okay. not even done with my beer. We can keep going. All right. Let me ask you one more serious question. Um, what time is it here? Oh fuck. It's almost 10. Um, that's, that's late for a dad. Um, <laughs> but this is really, I, this is, I'm having a great time. Dude. Yeah, dude, me this too. Really, I really, really fun. Like, yeah. also, low key, I, I don't know if you're going to put this on. This might be weird, right. but, but right. I, you, like, I listened to your podcast multiple times, like two or three a week for like a year. Like, I, I, like, I've seen, I've listened to almost every one of them. Like, man, you genuinely, like, you inspired the shit out of me. Like, I, oh, nice. Like, like, that's, like, also, like, I feel like I learned, my, dude, I, like, I literally like, from my, like, office chair. <laughs> yeah but actually like i feel like i learned like the history of climbing i like really like right. i like really love climbing history and i feel like i learned right. so much history through through the podcast and that was like a pretty you know meaningful component of my climbing upbringing i appreciate it thanks yeah i i you know it's my life's work <laughs> you should I, be proud. Like, it honestly is it's like you know looking back on it now it started as this weird hobby and you know, we're joking about like, yeah, you put it out for your friends or whatever. And like, now it's like my life's work. As far as climbing is concerned, it's the most important thing I've ever done. I mean, I had a few ascents that got like a barely a notice, maybe a tiny, you know, hot, you probably don't know about this, but hot flashes. Maybe you look through old no. climbing magazines. Hot flashes, no? I'm not familiar. Oh my God. You don't know about hot flashes? No. What's Dude, that? like literally like. In the 90s, 
Climbing Magazine, there was so little happening that Climbing Magazine had a relatively up-to-date two or three pages of like all the important climbs that happened in the previous month. It was called Hot Flashes. <laughs> oh, so you, you got on the Hot Flashes. Which yeah, is I like, was on the Hot Flashes a couple yeah. times for wall climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. For repeating something in the Fisher Towers, um, the second ascent of Reticent Wall got on there. Okay. And I think the second ascent of um, Scorched Earth got on there too. Damn. Um, yeah, dude, you did some gnarly yeah. aid soloing back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Respect. Well, I didn't solo. Respect. Well, I soloed, I soloed World's End, but I didn't. Scorched Earth I did with a partner, and, and I was kind of third fiddle on, on Reticent Wall, but because um, I was with Kevin Thawne and, and uh, Mark Sinop. But, um, but yeah, I did, I, did some, I did some shit. I was psyched on it. Oh, yeah. But, um, th- this isn't about me, though. But um, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to ask you about Jordan. It too. always, it always um, is, it's always just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> what, about me? Yeah, yeah. The, the, po- the I mean, podcast? It has to be oh, yeah, a fuck bit. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was, that's a whole podcasting thing, but. Well, let me ask you, like, let me ask you this other question that I had in my mind, and then, then I want to ask you personally about Jordan. Maybe we'll keep it in. Yeah. Um, so, one of the, I mean, I don't know how to put this, but like, this, this lifestyle that you're describing you know, is like something that as the people who listen to this, it just sounds like so incredible and it's romantic and, you know, you know, the dirt bagging and the going around the world traveling. But what about like the famous thing that goes with, with climbing, which is a cost on your social life. It's a, there's a cost on your family life to a certain extent. Um, have you felt any of that in, in terms of like being able to have sort of functioning relationships outside of climbing, so to speak, having, you know, a proper relationship with your family who are worried about you? Like, have you felt any sort of effects of that as far as the climbing and dirtbag lifestyle is concerned? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, very significantly. If anyone knows, all my friends, like, know my parents pretty well who are close to me. And, like, my parents are, they're, they're amazing. But, man, I think my mom worries more than just about any mom on the planet and uh yeah i feel super bad for her by because she worries so much <laughs> not about bad me. enough but <laughs> <laughs> yeah not bad enough to change but but yeah i mean i grew up like in a very traditional conservative not politically conservative necessarily but just like family value wise pretty conservative background and yeah like i was told to like work for a big corporation right out of college and work as much as I can and make money and buy a house and have kids. And yeah, I mean, I want to still want to do some of those things for sure, but it's been, it's been a struggle to deal with my, uh, with my family for sure on that front and yeah, relationships as well. Like I, I definitely don't regret any of my time on the road. However, I've, I have come to the point where I'm like, all right, I think it kind of could be cool to settle down a little bit. And I find myself in Truckee now working a full-time job or like, you know, a relatively flexible full-time job but still full-time and i'm pretty happy to be here like i i still can climb a ton and but it's nice to be a little bit settled i think i know myself and i'll crave i'll crave the travel pretty soon and i I already do i'm already trying to plan the next uh next expedition but yeah i definitely have had to make some pretty significant sacrifices you know with this lifestyle but they are very much worth it in my opinion and um i i love the life I've lived and the path I've chosen. And, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't regret any of it. Yeah. And I have some sense of, again, you just mentioned being like a New York suburban kid and, 
you know, it comes with all this privilege that, you know, we certainly have to acknowledge and, you know, no to have those choices is a significant thing. And it's not like, I mean, maybe you can agree or disagree with this, but it's not like it's necessarily spoken. Like, you know, they sit us down and say, this is what we want your life to turn out as. But like everything about your schooling and your just the whole vibe is like directing you towards this certain thing. And, you yeah. know, and I, you know, it's common knowledge on this podcast that I rebelled against it. And that's how I ended up where I am now, you know, maybe for better or worse, but whatever. But I'm just saying it's like nobody, it wasn't like some, you know, sit down in some, your father's office where he said, this is what you're going to do. It just is this feeling of this is where you're headed. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's just societal, there's, pr- there's pressure right. from your parents and like the society that, that suburban culture that you grew up mm-hmm. in. And yeah, I feel, I feel it regularly. I mean, I mean, still to this day when I, you know, chat with old friends who, you know, are like investment bankers in New York city or, you know, chat with my family and they have like these certain expectations. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's like, you know, and when I was on the road, I, all the time I'd like, feel pressure or challenges there'd be days where i'd hear from family or friends and be like like when are you coming back to the real world and i'd be like well this is this is the real world this is just my this is my this is my world you know i choose my own path and yeah i i guess i rebelled against uh that culture and i'm happy i chose that path it's been uh it's been it's been pretty rad 36 is when i i like got over that shit completely so (laughs) You can look I forward hope, to it. I hope, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope I get there one day. I almost, <laughs> I almost want to just like, I'm like, okay, I got to like make a little bit of money and like, you know, like right. prove I could do it right. in my own way or something right. like that. Like just choose, figure out my alternative path. And yeah. You know, just, the annoying uh, thing is it, it, it sort of kept me from going all in. Dude, me too. I yeah. mean, I would, I would, I would probably <laughs> like, I remember there's been a few times where like, I, had a, I was down in Patagonia and I was telling someone like, yeah, I'm going to start working for, I'm going to start working full time. Like I, I actually was genuinely was running out of money, mm-hmm. but I was also like, like both for that reason. And also the reason why I was like kind of interested, I've always liked to build things and have this second passion other than climbing. And and I was talking to someone, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you should, you should just double down and climb. Like right. you're crushing it. Like you should just pursue this thing. And, and, uh, I definitely, yeah, I, I'm, for sure my parents yeah they're sitting on your shoulders it's like yeah oh yeah they're they're definitely influencing me um yeah so you know for better or worse right yeah but they love you yeah no doubt (laughs) they definitely do I'm sorry I was born with this perfect bone structure, that my hair looks better done up with gel and mousse than hidden under a stupid hat with a light on it. All I ever wanted to do was make you proud of me, Pop. With what, your male modeling? Prancing around in your underwear with your wiener hanging out for everyone to see?
where it's at.